This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Larder Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new used or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Come out and take it, you dirty yellow-bellied rat, or I'll give it to you through the door. Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But what about my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. That a fact. How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I tell you what I'm going to give you, snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. (laughs) Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hi, this is Dave McClellan, the voice of NHRA. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your weekly show host here. Probably the one thing in life I really look forward to is my coming into the studio here and perching my little butt here behind the studio and looking through this glass window and staring at my buddy Bill. Bill, how are you doing tonight? What was you talking about? I played everything that was in order. I played it all in order. What you wanted. <laughs> no, you did good. You did good. You did good. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. But anyway, hey, run your computers and Google... What am I telling here? Google. Oh, Google. GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Actually, Google Tantalk1340.com. That'll take you to the website. No, that man, I'm all backwards tonight. Boy, I'm really having a... You know what? Let me tell you what happened today, Billy. I went to Home Cheapo last night. I had to pick, a, pick up a commode, a toilet, okay? Quick story. And I had to switch this out for a friend of mine because uh, he had to take a trip and uh, we had to get this thing fixed. And since I've done and, you some, had to, and you had to pay for your show, so yeah, I had to pay for my show, right? Anyway, so uh, I got this commode, this toilet, a brand new, you know, American uh, whatever it is, American Standard. Or so wait a like minute, that. let me get this straight. So what you're saying is. Uh, go ahead and finish. Let me get. Let me get. Let, let me, me get. Let me. Yeah. And I'll cut it. Give me one second. Find, to, find the right sound effect. I gotta okay. get. Yeah. I got it. It's in my. It's in my bag of tricks. But anyway, so I get this thing all. I get the old one out. 
you know, and I put this new one in. The new one's kind of an elongated one, so that's what they wanted because the other one was an old, you know, the, the, the short, uh, round radius porcelain bowl. Porcelain throne, if you want to call it that. At any rate, I get this thing all hooked up. I get it all grouted. It's all tightened down, buttoned in, ready to go. Hook the water line up and everything like that, and the stinking thing leaks. Now, what really upset me is the fact that, you know, everything is so cheap and cheesy, and I got to rag on the chinks because the chinks just really do a crappy job. And it's really not their fault so much as the American companies or whatever company that specs this stuff out. So the gaskets were inferior, okay? My so ear's ga- itching in this headphone already. Okay, the gasket in between the commode tank and the and the and the bowl. Okay, there's a big flat round round doohickey. Can I ask you and, something? Yeah, go ahead. So you fixed a toilet in order to have pay for your show. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, if it worked that smoothly, I'd be happy. But <laughs> yeah, that's the deodorant spray. Is that the air? All right, go or, t- go ahead and continue on with your. T- I'm anyway. sorry. I'm sorry. I busted your toilet bubble. <laughs> you bust my toilet bubble. You know that's it's live radio, so it's fun. So what can I say? But anyway, rate, so there's a in between the the tank and the and the bowl. There's a rubber gasket, okay, or some sort of a gasket. Well, they don't make them thick and and full like they're supposed to be, okay? So they're kind of somewhat on the short side because they're always scrimping on materials to keep costs down and stuff. And then there's two bolts that go through the tank to bolt to the top as well. Okay, so somewhere this thing had a leak. My guess is it's between the bolt holes, the bolts, and the little rubber gaskets that hold the, the tank to the bowl. So I get this thing all hooked up, and it's leaking. You know, if it flushed that good, I would have been happy. I would have been elated, but it didn't. But at any rate... So I get this whole thing together, and it's leaking. I crank it down, tighten it as tight as I can without breaking it. Because if you tighten it down too much, if you torque it down too much, anybody that's ever done this before, you know that it will crack and break. We got any cracking glass, got anything that cracks in, kind of like a busting glass or busting porcelain or busting tile. See, we got a busting tile sound effect. But at any rate, so I got this thing all together, and it's leaking. And I'm ticked, because now... Two and a half hours, three hours later after jacking around with this thing, I got to take this stupid thing apart. I got to run all the way to Home Cheapo, partially disassemble it. Obviously, I'm going to get... <laughs> Very good, Billy. You're on game tonight. Very good. But anyway, so, hey, you know what we need? We need a uh, Three Stooges uh, clip with them doing some plumbing work to see if you can find one of those. You know, Three Stooges thing while I'm rambling on here. But hey. Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> sure. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Find the Three Stooges where they're doing uh, some plumbing stuff. Or any comedian. But at any rate, so i got to run over there tomorrow morning, and I'm not really excited about that because I just wasted three hours of my time. Actually, more than that by the time you figure running over there, changing it out, then go get another one, then hooking it back up. So that's basically a day almost. That wasn't a lot of fun. Anyway, back to the show here. Okay, you're live, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And Google Tantalk1340.com. You can see me live here in the studio, clowning around. You can't see Billy because Billy's on the other side of the glass. Although, Billy has a camera. In there. He could switch the camera back and forth to himself. Couldn't you, Billy, if you wanted to? Yes, he could. Excuse me while I whip this out. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a family show. There's a camera. The camera. <laughs> the camera. <laughs> okay. Uh, be sure to check out our website, golfstreammotorsports.com. Okay. And Woo! check out our podcast. Go to, uh, in our website, Woo! there's uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and there's a podcast. Check out our uh, podcast. You can listen to all our past shows. And be sure and like us on Facebook. Okay, that's a good thing. Radio giveaways. Well, I don't have any more because this past weekend I gave away, or last couple of weeks, I gave away all the giveaways. <laughs> to, <laughs> to Keep them coming, Billy. Uh, I, need, I need to be cheered up tonight, okay, because I'm, I'm really frustrated with, I, I'm, I, have the, I have the commodal blues. Hey, what was the nickname for the, uh, 
Richie, what was his name? Richie something or other. And this is a big old frozen chunk of poopy. Yeah. That's what I was trying to flush down the toilet. Big old frozen chunk of poopy. Now we need some broken glass. There we go. Anyway, so let's see what else we got. Oh yeah, be sure to check out our website. Go to the stuff page, and I've got a few shirts left. Buy one of our stunning, amazing, fascinating nostalgic radio and cars T-shirt with the famous. 57 Thunderbird Gasser. Matter of fact, if, you, if you're watching the video, uh, if you're tuned into the, the studio here, you can see this great, great, <laughs> this great banner behind me that was done by our friend Dougie at the sign shop, okay, which has uh, our 57 Thunderbird and some other information on there about the show and the podcast on our, on our website. And uh, I want to give a big shout out to my friend Dougie at the sign shop, 727-392-4852. That's 727-392-4852. 4852. He did a great job on that thing. And Jeff Allison, who's out west, he's a real well-known artist out west in Oregon, and I think he moved to Minnesota, but he actually did the artwork. So look up Jeff Allison sometime. He uh, he does some great, great, great old-school hot rods. As a matter of fact, he does all the work, artwork for um, Billetproof, okay, which is that uh, hot rod organization out west in California, based in Sacramento, and they put on the you know the vintage show, car shows with the uh, Old school car hot rods, and of course the drags that are taken that that take place two or three times a year, once here in Florida at uh, Lakeland International Raceway. Anyway, hey, let's fire up a song real quick. See if you can uh, get that turntable to work. Hey, at least that that's probably still made in America. No, that might be made in Japan. You know, that's how old that thing is. Anything in the sixties is Japanese. But hang out, tune in, listen to this cool song, and we'll be right back.
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hi, this is Norm Gravowski, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, are, are you doing, uh, after you do your dialogue, are we going to do uh, Gulfstream golf, golf, golf and... Uh, Just do Magnolia, or whatever's, supposed, whatever's on Magnolia the list. Magnolia and You sure? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're are back. We, are we live? We're live. Oh, man. Did you do that again? No, it, it's always <laughs> like that. No, you're supposed to talk in my mic. I'm talking in in the no, mic. No, 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 in my ear. So I'm talking in your ear. I know you are talking in my ear. Magnolia and Gulfstream after your dialogue. <laughs> okay. Boy, I tell you what, today's one of those days. And you know, it all started out because I had to fix a toilet. So the show's, you, you, right now, what, the show's what? going in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the only thing you haven't put in there yet is a big fart uh, sound effect, which there's one of those on my list. Thing too. Oh, now it's a waste of money. Anyway, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your host, Robert. Anyway, well, let me tell you about this past weekend. We had a spectacular time in Orlando at the Festivals of Speed, and I truly wish everybody could have been there. I mean, we had a gate of probably... 17, 18,000 people, I think was the count. But we had an amazing array of cars. We had Ferraris, Aston Martins, Jaguars, Porsches, Mercedes. We even had a Tesla. The new Tesla was there. And I'm trying to get Elon Musk on the show one of these days to have him talk about it. So that would be kind of you're trying to You're trying to wear what kind of Musk? No, 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 no. Bill, Bill, it's a family show. It's a family show. Oh, Neil, you're trying to... Uh- e- Elon Musk is the gentleman that that actually started PayPal, sold it, and made billions and billions of dollars, if my story's correct. Okay, Say his name again. Elon Musk. You sure smell pretty. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. Nah, you know, I have to edit the show afterwards every time. But anyway, but uh, he's the guy that uh, sold his, his corporation for billions and billions of dollars, and then he went out and he built these, he's building rocket ships right now. But he also is experimenting with these electric cars. He came out with the little Lotus Elise modified kind of car with an electric motor, and it went well for a while, a little overpriced, but, you know, the concepts were, I guess he's on the right track. And then, of course, now he's got this uh, mid-sized, mid, uh, high-end car. It's kind of, it's about a hundred thousand dollar piece, and it's probably somewhere in the, uh, I'd say, E-class Mercedes, five series BMW or something like that. And uh, and they had one of those there. Uh, they also had a really, really nice classic antique car show there. And uh, yours truly was one of the judges. And it's funny because the couple of the cars that were there. Um, they were really, really close. Now, keep in mind the way that was judging is done. It's not like a concourse. It's kind of a, 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 a nice, even keel kind of judging. So basically, we judge on the the body, the interior, the engine compartment, 
uh, the quality of the paint, and then tires. So that kind of keeps it kind of a level playing field. So whether you got a rare classic or something really unusual, it doesn't really matter because we basically just kind of generalize on the car. And the, and the judging got real close in my in my category, which was muscle cars. And uh, it was down to a really, really nice 69 Camaro Copo 427 clone and a 69 Boss 429. The difference being the Camaro actually got beat out by one point. And again, no, 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 no. I know what you're going to say because I'm a Ford guy. No, truly. The Camaro was really, really nice. It got down to the difference was, I think, in the paint, if I remember correctly. It was either paint or under the hood because the Boss 429 was a fresh restoration. I mean, it was dripping wet paint still, okay? The Camaro had been around for a while, and it was street-driven, so it was a little on the, little on the you know, road use side. So, but, it, but it was still a stunning, amazing car. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks earlier, the gentleman that owned the car, and I won't mention his name, real nice guy, uh, he, had, he had won, yeah, Herkimer. <laughs> and uh, he had won the uh, platinum uh, award at the Winter Park, so that was that's a that's a high honor. I mean, that's a very very uh, neat trophy uh, category to win at Winter Park because uh, you're up there with the elite cars, some fine fine stuff. But anyway, hey, we may have a very special guest this evening. Okay, and for what it's worth, why don't you go ahead and try to get our guest on the phone? Call him, and, and then I'll play these two commercials, and then I'll no, play play only one commercial. Gulfstream. Yeah, you can play that one. Uh, and then we go to your uh, hot, ro- hot road. Uh, never mind. Yeah, just those two things then. But just try to get him on the phone right now. Tell him it's just going to be a short interview. And uh, don't remind me. i got to go fix that toilet in the morning. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> but anyway, so go ahead and get him on the phone. Meanwhile, I'll just keep jawjacking here for a few minutes. I was going to play the commercial and then call him. Well, why don't you go ahead and start, try them now. And then, all right, go ahead. Call go him. Go ahead. Then. Yeah, go ahead. Play the commercial. 10 9 Boom. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsport, 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Now me and my wife and brother Joe off in a Ford from San Pedro. Didn't have much gas and the tires were low, but the doggone Ford could really go. Along about the middle of the night, we's ripping along like four folks fight. When a Mercury behind, he blinked his light. He honked his horn and it flew out of sight. And a come get butt You people may think that I'm in a rut But to you folks that don't dig the jack That's two carburetors and an overdrive We made three spots out of many a town And left the cops spinning round and round They wouldn't chase, they'd run and hide But me and that Mercury stayed side by side 
just like it was glue. We left streaks through towns about 40 feet wide. But me and that Mercury stayed side to side. My brother was failed. He said he was thick. He said he was just a nervous wreck. But why should I worry? But what the heck? Me and that Mercury was neck and neck. And you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And I think with a little luck, we have our very special guest for the evening on the line. And let me tell you about this gentleman. He's been around racing for a very, very long time. And probably best well known for the infamous bump sticks called the Isky Cam. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening the Cam Father himself, Ed Iskandarian. Ed, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How you doing this yeah. evening? I apologize for bugging you on such yeah. short notice, but I'm glad you're able to take the time and uh, talk to us for a little bit here. Yeah, I just arrived, uh, and I got a little upset stomach from the airplane ride from L.A. to Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe we can get something done here. Okay, super. Well, All tell right. us. So now you're actually in Indy right now because last weekend I was at PRI. So the other show that's taking place in Indy right now is what, basically? I am IS show, uh, Indianapolis uh, Hardcore Racing Show. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's already, now both shows have been bought by SEMA already, I understand. Right. And uh, there'll just be one show from now on here in uh, Indianapolis from now on. So. Next month here. Yeah. Okay. So give us a little background on yourself. I mean, I understand that in the, uh, in the, I guess you were an old-time racer back in the Dry Lakes. In, um... Yeah, before World War II, we, uh, we were riding bicycles in 1933. When I, uh, we'd see little, uh, what we call the gow job go by. Uh-huh. Well, uh, they were, I think it got its name from get up and go, became gow, and sometimes they call them hot iron. And we found out that uh, if you want to see a lot of them, you got to go up to the dry lakes about 100 miles from Los Angeles, and they race on the flat dry lake. Uh, 
uh, Murat Kale gets the, the army. Uh, it's uh, Edwards Air Force Base now. Uh-huh. And uh, they'd come from all around uh, California, maybe Arizona, and we'd see hundreds of them, and we'd get ideas as kids, you know, learning from the older fellas uh, what they had built up and how they'd build it and what parts were off of a Franklin and what's off of a Whippet, what's in different radiators. So I think a Whippet radiator was popular and stuff like that. So now we, we'd get ideas we want to build one of ourselves. There was no literature at the time, so we had to learn from the older fellas, the guys that had been doing that for somewhere between 5, 10, 20 years, some of them. Let me ask you a question. And then we, yeah. Go ahead. ahead. Well, no, I was going to ask you. Now, back in those days, were the older guys real enthusiastic about having you younger guys kind of get into the hobby? And were they really willing to help uh, you out? Yeah, yeah. If you were interested, they they would help you. Yeah, sure. And they, we'd, we'd learn from them, you know. And uh, we found out that uh, there was a famous guy named Ed Winfield and George Riley and Pierre uh, uh, Bertrand and... Uh, Back east, there was Ambler and, uh, uh, let's see who else. I can't think of them all right now, but they're all, uh, uh, the parts, uh, the locating parts are in Speedy Bill's Museum there in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, some of the old timers there. Uh, they, we used to look up to these old guys because they've been in any, very early, you know, they maybe turn of the century, they, some of them. What was one of the first so, cars that you built? that you competed with out on the dry lakes? Oh, uh, well, uh, the flat, well, we, uh, we, we left the Model T's uh, because with the, the new V8s, you could buy one in the junkyard and kind of look like a racing engine to us after working on Model T's. <laughs> and uh, RPM, uh, they would miss, so we found out about the dual coils. Uh, uh, you, well, there was two ways to do it. You take, uh, 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 let's see, there was a two-coil... Uh, Four lobe cab distributor off of uh let's see what was that off of a uh, Studebaker for one and then also you take a Lincoln Zephyr V12 and put the four lobe Gordon cab in there with grinding off two lobes and had two coils and we got more saturation that way and we could rev way up uh, with two coils instead of one you know uh-huh. one rested while the other one worked you might say okay it's the same yeah, per- so that, that was the first thing I ever built was the uh, ignition system like that and later on of course uh, when we uh, started to make money uh, we started to build airplanes here for Europe in the old days uh, before World War II before we were in the war why we uh, could get a job in a machine shop as an apprentice and uh, made some money and we went, I went to Ed Winfield the famous a man that uh, knew all about racing engines, probably the foremost, uh, one of the foremost racing men, racing engine men in the whole world. And uh, he showed me his cam grinder, and I was fascinated by it. He had made it uh, himself, you know. And uh, later on, after the war, I uh, a lot of the, the these uh, dry lake racers uh, went into service uh, during World War II, and they learned a lot there. They usually worked in the motor pool or airplanes, and they come back with a lot more knowledge, a lot, uh, a lot more knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. to learn more about mechanics. So they had better ideas now, to, and they wanted to go a little faster up there at the dry lakes with the new knowledge, you know, they gained. And that's when I decided I'd like to try that cam grinding, and uh, I built a 
cam attachment for a cylindrical grinder and uh, bluffed my way into the business. Uh, anyway, uh, so that was really funny how uh, the first cam I laid out, I uh, left off the clearance ramps and made a real fast-action snappy cam, and uh, I was going to throw it away, but uh, it looked pretty good, so I, I put a few in stock, and I got a call from NASCAR. They were riding flathead forts back in the Carolinas, you know, and uh, they bought two cabs by airmail, uh, which was much to my surprise, and then they kept reordering. And then I found out later that my cams uh, had more mid-range torque and good top end as well, and that's the way they, they could pass cars out on the racetracks. If a little spot opened up, they could work their way to the front. So that uh, it was just kind of an accident, but uh, it worked. Yeah, and uh, that's how I got in, you know. I was always afraid uh, they were going to ask me, when they first called, I was afraid they were going to ask me how much experience I had. Well, it wasn't very much, you know, <laughs> six months or a year, you know. <laughs> I was, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how I got into the business. I was reading some, I, somewhere. That, I'm sorry. I was I was reading somewhere where you actually there was really no science to it. You were just kind of like you did it kind of like by feel and by eye. You know, by looking at it, you just kind of came up with the right kind of lobe, like you said, the right kind of ramp, uh, the duration on it. You know, the top of the cam. How, 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 what, what made? I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I can't explain that. I guess because you had to be kind of familiar with the other camshafts. Your com- well, I was lucky. I was lucky. Uh, mm-hmm. I could get away with my fast action on the flathead form because the the valve and the springs were so light that I could uh, kind of abuse and slap the valve open. Uh-huh. The, uh huh. The if you have a like Winfield was uh, very famous for his soft action cams. He you could rev way up even with stock springs, way to real high RPM. And uh, the flathead, uh, in a way, uh, I, I lucked out, and that's what they needed on the circle track racing, uh, a more flexible cam that would uh, have more mid-range power and top ends. So it worked out good. But when we later when we got into the overhead valve engines, we had to be more gentle with the action, you know, we couldn't be uh, rough on the valve train. How much, uh, in terms of RPMs on a flathead, how much higher did your camshafts turn as opposed to, let's say, like your competitor or versus, let's say, like a stock camshaft? Well, it really wasn't the uh, higher RPM. I think we could turn them. Uh, uh, the, the power was usually between five and 5,500, 5,000 to 5,500, and they would rev up to 7,500 or better, but the power went down. Uh, when you grab that tight, you know. Okay. So uh, that's so on the racetrack, they probably use the cab between uh, four thousand and fifty five hundred. Okay. Did as that. were you guys yeah. familiar with cam center lines and all that kind of stuff back in those days too? Yeah, we know. Uh, advancing the cam gives you uh, gives you uh, more low end torque, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, the hotter the cam. The closer the lobe center, usually. Okay. Because uh, at high speed, uh, the higher the engine speed, the later you close the intake valve uh, because of ram effect. The uh, incoming column of air uh, will overcome the rising of the piston. So you can't get away with uh, a late closing on the intake at real high RPM. Uh, but the, finally, there is a limit. After you go longer and longer in duration, you keep it. 
uh, you keep making new cabs longer and longer in duration, and you keep gaining top end but uh, losing a little bit of mid-range tire. Finally, you get one that uh, loses both top end and mid-range power, and the only way you could get that bigger cam in the engine is to advance it, which would be moving the center line maybe as, as close as uh, 105 degrees on the intake, maybe even as close as 100 degrees in some radical cases. So that's uh, it's like in the old days the, uh, when they were in the office, they had dual overhead cams, so uh, if you came to a track where you needed more bottom end or mid-range power, you just advance the intake cam only. Please don't bother to move the exhaust cam because there's two separate cams mm-hmm. on the two overhead cam offy. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so all the I was lucky to meet uh, some of the great old racing guys like Frank McGurk and mm-hmm. and uh, Louis Meyer, who was a three-time winner, and a lot of the old timers. <laughs> I got to meet some of those old guys, and they were real nice to you, learn from, you know. You got some good stories? Some oh, inter- yeah. Well, well yeah. go ahead. Tell us a story or two. We're listening. Well, like one time, McGurk was telling me, boy, you know, we're having trouble at the Speedway here in Indianapolis. The 270 Offies, uh, which is the most popular racing engine, and they won all the racing, more or less, for almost 20 years uh, straight, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, but crankshafts were breaking during the race sometimes. Well, the uh, the engine didn't, they had a water pump bombed directly in the front of the engine at the, where the, uh, where the, where the uh, vibration damper, where the torsional damper would go, uh, which we eliminated the torsional vibration. So that was one reason they were breaking. Uh, this means the cam is twisting at high RPM during the race, especially each time you go through the corners and you build up uh, maybe two seconds in each corner. You were in that harmonic period where the crank was uh, twisting back and forth or advancing and retarding at the front. At the front, but the back end with a heavier flywheel, it was hard to accelerate and decelerate that. So, uh, one, so about two years later, I, oh, he told me that they were experimenting with uh, bigger fillets in the uh, in the uh, radius of the throws to get more strength, you know. Mm-hmm. But after a couple of years, I asked him, uh, hey, how'd they solve that problem? Oh, he says, we solved it by going to a lower gear ratio. It didn't go any faster, but what it was, was each time we hit a corner and labored that engine uh, to go through the corner uh, with that... Uh, crowding the steering wheel a little bit and skidding the back end, why uh, it would spend, uh, say, two seconds in the critical period. And uh, and there's four quarters. So after that accumulated, uh, the seconds build up over over the period of the race, and that was what was breaking them. So by putting the lower gear in, we zipped through the uh, bad torsional period, the critical torsional period, and that way... Uh, the cranks lasted longer. Interesting. Uh, so it could have been solved with a torsional damper on the front, which you have on uh, even on four-cylinder engines. But it has to have you have to have one on a six-cylinder or an eight-cylinder because of the uh, length of the crank. You know. Okay. So you're talking. Winfield had a uh-huh. go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. You said Winfield. Winfield had a good explanation for torsional vibration. He says take the crankshaft and bolt it to a steel bulkhead. That, the crankshaft, the flywheel end goes to the crank, to the steel bulkhead, let it hang out straight out horizontally, 
take a sledgehammer and bang it on one of the throws and you'll hear it ring. That will be the, that is the, uh, the natural frequency of that crankshaft. So each time when the engine is running and gets up to a certain speed where it starts to excite that natural frequency, that's when you have a uh, bad torsional vibration problem. So, uh, so that was cured by, uh, in, in the office case, case because of the, uh, putting a lower gear in the car. Uh, spinning the engine a little faster. By the way, that then later it got cured by this. The 270s, uh, the Speedway thought, well, they're going too fast. We're going to have to cut them down in cubic inches. So uh, they brought the engine down to 255 inches, and that shortened the stroke and uh, eliminated the crankshaft uh, braking problem. And, and, and they actually went faster because they uh, hopped up the engines a little bit more. You know, so uh, so that was the uh, that was the office story. Yeah. As far as uh, engines, you know, let's just say Indy cars, drag racing, road racing. What was basically? I mean, you built cams for everybody. So, but of of the of the three types of racing, Indy, NASCAR, and drag racing, which one do you have more of an allegiance to, or which one are you more partial to, and which one did you get more involved well, uh, in? The easiest thing for a new fellow to get into was drag racing because you could take any kind of car and take it to the drag strip and have a dead stop, make your runs, and uh, it could be a family sedan or a, a roaster. Or a, a, a later on, they, they called them dragster. They were stripped down, lightweight little things. So that became the big uh, way with it. Uh, a lot of new people got into the business that way, and some graduated into circle track racing from that. But uh, that that got everybody. That made it easy to get into. So you could uh, just uh, drag race a car on the weekends. So and that uh, that got big. Uh, we we didn't know it was going to reach come back east and catch on back here too. And I remember when I uh, started out in business, I was hoping to make uh, five cams a day. At twenty dollars a piece, that'd be a hundred dollars labor a day, and by golly, after about a year, I wasn't, and I couldn't believe it. The business had grown or had blossomed out so big, uh, and catching on all over, back east and Midwest, and California too. When so that's what uh, surprised me. Those camshafts that you were selling for twenty dollars. So back in the day, how much did it actually cost you to make one of those camshafts? Well, it was all labor. Once you make the master cam and have the cam grinding machine, it's like making keys. Uh, you bring your key to be duplicated. Mm -hmm. It's something like that. The machine will make them each lobe exactly the same because you have a master cam with a master shape. Mm -hmm. So it would take about, uh, you could do a flathead Ford V8 cam in half an hour if you rushed a little bit. Uh, but the rest of the time you'd be answering questions and uh, packaging and shipping it, you know, and so forth. What about and, what about lifters now? Did you uh, have any, did, do any development with lifters too? Did you do like cam lifter packages? I know later you did. Yeah, it, we, uh, especially uh, now for the Flathead Ford, in the beginning there was no adjustable tappets for the Flathead Ford, but finally Johnson, and we had to uh, hard face the tip of the valves uh, because we had ground off so much off the heel of the cam. And later, uh, Adjustable lifters came from Johnson. Well, and then later on, the Oldsmobile V8 came out in 1949, and uh, we'd grind those. And by golly, uh, they had a wear problem, and uh, we had to go into hard facing. 
They thought, gee, well, the cam is okay, except it's just not hard enough on the lobes. And uh, by experimenting with uh, hard facing, which was Colmonoid number four, uh, we liked, and uh, we were able to make a racing cam that would hold up for drag racing on the Oldsmobiles. And that happened to require a uh, chilled iron lifter, and uh, we had to have chilled iron lifters made back east. We had them made back east here, Chicago, and uh, uh, yeah, we used to buy them out of Chicago. Yeah. Who were some of the big name racers in the early days that used your camshafts? Obviously, Don oh, Carlos. Uh, he's he's a, our our local hometown favorite here, and uh, of course, he's got a whole display at his museum that says Iskandarian and his camshaft with I think it was what Swamp Rat two or three or something like that. Oh, Garlitz. Yeah. Uh, sure. Well, uh, Garlitz was uh, the first one that uh, was a real sharp kid, young fellow that uh, bought a Chrysler engine at the uh, wrecking yard and. Uh, Pretty soon he was, uh, he bought a cam from us, and uh, pretty soon he was going uh, 176, maybe even 180. And I would sort of use him uh, to uh, talk the uh, California boys because I didn't have that fast a car in California. They eventually had to, they wanted to race him so bad that they brought him out for the big smokers meet in, in, uh, in the Bakersfield, California. Smokers Club brought him out. Uh-huh. Yeah, they uh, and uh, he had been he had made some 180 mile hour runs, but there he was normally aspirated and he did uh, 172 and threw a rod. But later on, he he came to the shop and we put a blow a uh, top mount 671 blower on there and uh, him and Seto Postillion, both of them, uh, and they went to uh, Kingdom to race and he won there. Uh, Garth won there and he won again in. Uh, Arizona before he went home to to Tampa, Florida. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it was a... Uh, so the, we had Ernie Hashem in Bakersfield, was a uh, real sharp guy, and uh, he he was famous. Uh, and that's who else was... Oh, yeah, then there was uh, Siren Hopper. They uh, did a lot of racing and did a lot of winning, and Cook and Bedwell. Cook and Bedwell actually met Garlitz at the uh, World Series of the Drag, Lake, uh, drag Racing, World Series in uh, Illinois. Where was that in Illinois? Uh, and uh, it was really comical. They they helped Garlitz. Uh, they, they told Garlitz, don't you know you have to put 10 pounds of pressure on the nitro that's in those uh, eight carburetors? Uh, it's going to fall on his face at the top end if you don't. Uh, run 10 pounds of pressure. So he did, and and uh, pretty soon he was going so fast that they had a race for the final eliminator, and they beat uh, Cook and Bedwell, huh. <laughs> who held the record at that time. Yeah, yeah, he learned fast. How about in uh, in uh, road racing or in um, stock car racing? Who who was some of the guys that used your camshafts out west? And uh... oh, back uh, in New England, uh, there was let's see, that was Speedy. Speedy Thompson, was it? No, let's see. Oh, there were so many names I forgot. And then the Thompson brothers in North Carolina. Uh, uh, all those big names, yeah, have used my cams in the past. Uh, Buck, Buck Baker and, uh, let's see, uh, let, let's see, who was the Chrysler man? Uh, Petty? Petty, yeah, Petty. That, <laughs> one time I did a, I had a, he bought one of the new uh, 
348 engines, which had a high rocker ratio, about 1.8, and uh, I thought I could get away with my profiles that were good for one and a half to one, and boy, that thing ran terrible, and he, he, he let me know about it. <laughs> I made a big mistake there, yeah. Yeah, was a, so the higher ratio rockers requires a little, a little more finesse in the, uh, in the, in the cam profile. They had to be a little uh, on a softer action side. How, who were some of the racing teams that uh, out west that used a lot of your stuff? Well, uh, in, in stock Aaron car, Hopper, uh, uh, Ernie Hashem and his his drivers. He had various drivers. Uh, let's see, Sharon uh, Hopper. Uh, gosh. I can't even think of one. I mean, I learned so many. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was re- also, uh, I was also reading something. Go ahead, go ahead. Somebody else pop in your mind? Yeah, that, I uh, I might think of some more as you would go along. Okay, uh, I was just going to digress for a second. I was reading someplace that uh, you have a fairly large facility out there, but also one of your other hobbies is is you collect stuff. You're kind of like a I don't want to say a junkyard oh, kind of guy, but yeah, you like stuff. It's hard to throw anything that's useful away. Yeah, so. If I don't use it, someone else could use it. I, I, I could give it to them, if, you know. And so I do have a collection of stuff that's hard to get rid of, hard for me to get rid of. Uh, uh, but sometimes it comes in handy when somebody uh, is building up an old car and then we got the right parts for them. So, yeah. for ex- so for example, let's just say, because I, I actually come from the salvage yard business. I used to run junkyards here in uh, Florida. So, uh, oh, you did? Oh, yeah, I was in the salvage uh-huh. yard business. So let's just say I was out there, and I was roaming around in your in your, in your your junkyard, if you want to use the term, your little salvage yard. What could I expect to find out there? I mean, what, would I, what kind of weird stuff would I find? Would I find cars and bodies? Would I find machinery, equipment? What would I find out there? Uh, well, lots of machinery, yeah, machine tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I buy... Uh, Machine tools, if they're reasonable, need a little fixing. Because uh-huh. the machine tools made me money. Uh, if you can get a machine tool that's in operation, it can make you good money, you know. Uh-huh. So, uh, and, uh, but, uh, How about engines? En- engines and transmissions? Would some of that stuff be in your piles? Uh, well, uh, fortunately, the, uh, like the Cadillac transmissions that were very popular, they disappeared quite, quite readily. Okay. Uh, and the, the Chrysler engines, the Hemi's and a few I had, uh, they they got those away from me before long. And so I've got really a, an old Oscar engine, a four-cylinder sports car racing engine. Okay. And uh, some flathead engines and stuff. And, uh, but, it's, but it's mostly machinery and uh, small parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, okay, so what... Uh... Later years, I would visit uh, Ed Winfield, the famous... A cab grinder and a carburetor man, uh-huh. and uh, he was the one that. Uh, do you remember the Duntoff cam? Yes, it got that name because Duntoff worked there. It was really uh, called a thirty thirty, but people started to call it the Duntoff. And one day, in visiting the Elbra, uh, visiting uh, Winfield, Winfield, he said uh, Ford is afraid they was afraid they were going to get caught cheating. I says, caught cheating what? Uh, he says. Uh, they were afraid Ford was going to catch him cheating using my cam. Hey, you don't mean the Duntoff by any way, by chance? That's the one. He says, yeah, they 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 liked that cam, so they bought it from Winfield, and everything had to be a factory part, uh, or or it'd be illegal. So they put it into production. So they just copied that and made thousands of them, and they sold them as cheap as eighteen dollars a piece. Wow. My friend. Uh, 
Chuck Botman was a good cam grinder. He had, he had built his own machine also, and he uh, called me one day, and he says, I don't grind cams for Chevys. I says, how come? He says, uh, they, uh, how are you going to beat a Duntop for $18? I says, yeah, it's a bargain, all right. Now, we can beat it, all right, but we have to hard face the cab and put stronger springs on there, and it's going to cost a couple of hundred dollars at least. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so Winfield did a lot. It could even be run with the stock springs because of his uh, gentle soft-action profiles. It's really revved way up in RPM, yeah. Edelbrock used our stuff, too, and uh, we we bought his dyno when he got a bigger one. Okay. And uh, then uh, we, uh, pretty soon we were testing every day, and we had a great uh, dyno man, as, uh, Bones Below, who was a drag racer. Ed, we're just about out of time. Would you come back on the show again sometime? Would you be willing to do that? Sure. Okay. Sure. Well, I want to hey, thank my special guest this evening was Ed Iskandarian of Iski Cams. Go check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Check out our podcast, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and be sure and buy a T-shirt. And we'll see you next week. Ed, again, I want to thank you for coming on to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Next week, our guest may be Linda Vaughn, and in two weeks, we're going to have John Force on the air. So be sure and tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.